podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Welcome to the Paracast. My co-host is Christopher O'Brien. It's sounding like a regular thing. You know, Chris, if this keeps up, I'm going to start thinking you might be a co-host for the show. <laughs> I kind of have been. Oh, yeah, right. You know, you know, people think, of course, that I'm as old as the hills. Well, they know you are. Okay, so they think I've been here since the dinosaurs. Well, I was thinking more Triassic, uh, even pre-dinosaur, but, but we won't go there. And I will not admit to the rumor that I am a dinosaur. Yeah, don't never admit that. Or my viewpoints are ancient. Well, you can admit that. No, I won't. I think I'm cutting edge. You're pretty cutting edge, Gene. Cutting edge or cutting up. It hasn't really been determined. But seriously speaking, I think the best way to preface the guest we have here, and he's been on the PowerCast before, once he was on the PowerCast, and then we did a one-hour segment, and the recording got corrupted. Hmm. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Kind of makes you wonder. Hmm. I'm kind of wondering whether this... Recording, which is being done just a day or two before you listeners hear it, is going to survive. As a matter of fact, when it comes to Jacques Vallée, I kind of expected he was pretty much out of the UFO field. And then, wonder of wonders, we get this book, Wonders in the Sky, from Jacques Vallée and Chris Aubeck. Fabulous book it is, boy. It's a must-have for any serious uh, ufologist or anyone interested in the field. It's jaw-dropping. Interesting to say here is that I met Jacques Vallée once early on. This is before everybody was born. Everybody listening to the show, I was here forever. You know, the hills were alive with the sound of music, but since I can't sing, I can't even get that far. I was on a trip to the Midwest with Jim Mosley, Alan Greenfield, and a UFO researcher named Rick Hilberg. And we decided to visit everybody we could. We visited Jacques Vallée. He met us in Jim's hotel room, and we talked for a while. This was before his various books that basically were not ET-oriented. So, for example, Passport to Magonia. This was pre-Passport to Magonia. So I guess we could say that Jacques Vallée had the standard extraterrestrial viewpoint of the UFO phenomenon, seemed like a pretty nice person, but that's all I remember of that visit. You know, it kind of came and went, and actually the pace de resistance was to meet Ray Palmer in Amherst, Wisconsin. You know, Ray Palmer was the guy who brought us the Shaver Mystery, was one of the early publishers of magazines about UFOs. Wow, what a road trip, Gene. What a road trip, and getting to Ray Palmer's house was just something else, because He lived in this small country town in Wisconsin, Amherst, Wisconsin. He lived in this beautiful farmhouse with a large picture window. And I got to think this guy had to be pretty rich. (laughs) Although he always claimed to be somewhat poverty stricken. I mean, after all, it's not as if he worked at jobs that you'd become wealthy at. You know, being the editor of a magazine, especially a science fiction magazine, I don't think that was the source of fame and fortune. Or maybe houses were cheap over there. Or maybe he rented. I didn't know. (laughs) But, you know, Ray Palmer's another story, except Ray Palmer also was one of those guys who was telling us that the E.T. answer to the UFO mystery 
was not where it's at. One of the early people who did that before John Keel, before Jacques Vallée, before others who had these various theories. Now, about you, Chris, I'm going to put you in the hot seat for a few minutes. Okay? Okay. And the thing I'm going to ask you is, when you first started getting interested in UFOs, taking it seriously, did you adopt the ETH as a possible answer or what? Yeah, that was my, I guess, knee-jerk inclination uh, as a kid to... uh because I am uh, an experiencer. I had, um, as I described, I think, in my first appearance as a guest on the Paracast, I described a very riveting experience I had at seven years old. And and I just assumed that we were dealing with uh, some sort of off-planet uh, non-human intelligence. And I devoured every UFO book I could get my hands on as a kid all through the 60s. And Anatomy of a Phenomenon was one of those books. That's how I first... Uh, learned of uh, Dr. Vallée, and and uh, of course, Passport to Magonia was uh, quite an eye-opener for me. Uh, I read the book um, some years after it came out, um, I think in late junior high, early high school. I was able to get a copy of it, and and it really opened up my thinking. I, I, I don't think it pulled me completely away from the ETH at that point, but um, it wasn't until I started my own personal uh, private investigation in the San Luis Valley that I pretty much left the ETH uh, behind uh, to <laughs> to some extent. I'll but, tell you uh, what, Chris, to recover old ground, what yeah. is it about San Luis Valley that made you feel, you know what, the traditional explanations we've had about UFOs, maybe it did not apply? Well, it was the synchronicity. It was the, um, it was the tricksterish elements it was the nonsensical nature of some of the reports, some of the descriptions. It just, it, within two weeks of doing full-time investigative work uh, for a small newspaper, actually, um, I realized that the extraterrestrial hypothesis didn't even come close to explaining the variety and intensity of events that I had been exposed to and was actually personally investigating. And the yellow helicopter event uh, was pretty much the nail in the coffin for my particular, uh, you know, view of the phenomenon, uh, interviewing a family who had a mutilated cow 13 years prior and seeing this antique yellow helicopter fly over their house in 1980, then the following day typing up my notes for my interview and having what appeared to be the same helicopter fly over my house, um, I've really not looked back at the ETH ever since that (laughs) that particular event. I mean, that really had... uh, quite an impact on my thinking and i must say that uh between valet and keel um david perkins would be the only other person that i could could uh you know posit as as a as a real major source of my thinking and you know people have asked me uh well if you could have dinner with three people who would they be well i've <laughs> jacques valet has been one of the people on my list for many years i'll this tell you what, real, when he comes on the me. show when he comes on the show go ahead invite him to dinner <laughs> I will. Okay. That would be great. I'd love to. Actually, I think I had lunch with J. Allen Hynek. How about that? Yeah. I don't know if it was lunch or dinner. This is back in the 1970s. I interviewed him a couple of times, and we had pleasant conversations. And at that point, you know, we thought of J. Allen Hynek as very traditional in his UFO interests, as someone who started out as a skeptic, became convinced there was something strange going on. And then 
in his conversation, in the patter that we had during this interview I did with him, he hinted that there was something more to UFOs than E.T. It was maybe only part of the picture, maybe not an invalid part, but part of the picture. Unfortunately, he wasn't around long enough for, I guess, this feeling to germinate, although I gather he did convey similar thoughts to people he worked with at the time. Yeah. You know, he mentioned, I think, to Jerry Clark that he felt elementals may be behind the uh, UFO phenomenon, which which indicates to me, if true, that uh, that Jacques Vallée's thinking uh, finally got through through <laughs> to Heineck and uh, finally influenced him uh, towards the end of his life. Well, it is that or just his independent research, because obviously he was yeah. looking at an extraordinary amount of cases, a lot of fascinating possibilities, and maybe he had to come to the decision also. That, yeah, that's possible. Sure. And I know we have a lot of new listeners since we joined the GCN network. And, you know, we joined the GCN network this past summer. And those of you who have been interested in the paranormal, when we cover UFOs, I know a lot of people think, yeah, well, spaceships, UFOs equals spaceships. It's the perfect equation. But you know what's perfect? It's perfect that we have to take care of some business. Coming up later in this episode, Dr. Jacques Vallée. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Get nine hand-picked, super-quality graphic apps for your Mac for just $39.99, a 91% discount. These apps include vector drawing, brochure design, smart screen capturing, HDR photo optimizing, preparing photos for print and framing, creating posters, postcards, and lots more, including a bonus DVD library. These are top-rated, best-in-class apps. From now till the end of November, get them all for only $39.99 from radio.macrafphoto.com. That's radio.macrafphoto.com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realist, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Hello, Alex Jones has told you about the delicious, safe, easy to fix, and very storable food from eFoods Direct. He's also told you that eFoods Direct has the best food on the planet. Well, here's the great news it's that time of year, and their holiday special is here. Two holiday price packs for you to put into your reserve for a secure future or share with others. The first is a six month bulk supply in number 10 cans, and the second is a five week supply of quick and easy meals, including delicious bakery items shipped in heavy-duty totes. Both are special values for the holidays. When you order two or more of these special holiday packs, you'll get free shipping on the entire order. These holiday packs are always special combinations of food that are not available at any other time of the year. Call 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. That's 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. Coming up later in this episode, we will talk to Jacques Vallée. He's author, actually co-author of a new book called Wonders in the Sky with Chris Aubeck. And we hope to have Chris on the Paracast in the near future. We're focusing on Jacques this particular time. But what Chris O'Brien, my co-host, and I have been doing is kind of acquainting a lot of our new listeners. I know that our listenership has grown by leaps and bounds since we joined the GCN network. As a result, you know, we're talking about things that may sound Greek or extraterrestrial or interdimensional to some people. Because so many people, when they think of UFOs, as I said, the practical equation is that UFOs equal spaceships. Can't be anything else. Spaceships. And we're saying, you know what? Yeah, we're not dismissing the possibility that E.T. is out there. I mean, now you heard a few weeks ago about the discovery of what might be called the Goldilocks planet. Not too hot, not too cold. What they call in Star Trek the M-type planet. The one that would possibly harbor intelligent life like our own. This seems to indicate that, heck, You know, the galaxy is (laughs) proliferated with intelligent species. We're talking about water on the moon, water on Mars. Life is normal. But in the UFO business, it's not that easy. Right, Chris? 
That's absolutely right, Gene. It isn't that easy. It's uh, it's a very complicated scenario, and I've said for many years that I think we owe it to ourselves to exhaust all potential closed system explanations before we get human-centric enough to jump off planet and think anything out there is interested in this primitive, violent, misogynist planet. Don't hold back, Chris. Tell us what you really think about this planet. <laughs> you know, We've I got a long think, way to though, go, Gene. Also, if I was E.T., and I was watching what's going on here, assuming that our civilization's development is not normal, you know. I guess we kind of think, you know, we must be worse than everyone else. Maybe this is it, you know. This is the way intelligent civilizations develop. They have to go through all these growing pains, and we're immersed in it. But I know if I was E.T., I wouldn't want to come here. Well, I don't know about that. I think that the biodiversity here and the the proliferation of, of life uh, in this this eco uh, environment is is probably what would be most attractive, I think, to uh, to a spacefaring civilization who, who might happen by. Uh, some people could equate humanity as being more of a virus in the ecosystem that's actually extremely detrimental to biodiversity here. We're losing what uh, I think ten species a day. I forget what the the actual figure is, but but we're we're losing uh, species uh, just hand over fist and. And we're only discovering about a tenth of, of, of the species uh, in, a, in a ratio to the species we're losing. So, you know, perhaps it's the ecosystem. It's the environment. It's the wonderful, uh, you know, just incredible uh, amount of life that's on this planet that would be the, the attraction. And perhaps we're in the way. Maybe they want to get rid of us and worry about the rest of the species here. That's a distinct possibility. I wouldn't factor that one out. No way. But, of course, when we look at other possibilities for UFOs, if it's not E.T. or if E.T. is only part of the picture, well, what about crypto-terrestrials? The late Mac Tony's had the book called The Crypto-Terrestrials. Now, as a practical matter, nothing that Mac said in that book was unique. Anyone who has studied the wide spectrum of the UFO mystery would find a lot of concurrence there. But... For those who are wondering why we focus on things other than E.T., that might be the book to get. It's a short book. It's a couple of hours read. And then you'll understand why we have to think it's a lot more complicated. Yeah, and that's not the only uh, potential explanation. As we will hopefully discuss with Dr. Valet, we'll also talk about a, a metaterrestrial scenario or possibly even touch on the John Keel penned in coined term, ultra-terrestrial, which could be something that uh, is akin to Mactone's crypto-terrestrial, but different. Uh, there's, there's a lot of study and research and work that the newcomer to this field uh, needs to undergo before they, before they really make up their mind. Obviously, the ETH or the extraterrestrial hypothesis um, is the one that the media and the culture seems to be programming us with, but... I think we owe it to ourselves uh, to look at all potential explanations, especially the ones that involve this closed system uh, spinning in space. And I think that's, in my mind, that's where the real value of Jacques Vallée's work uh, comes from, is, is, is looking at this scenario from outside of the box and looking at the things that don't make sense in relation to an ETH hypothesis, uh, there are so many things about the UFO phenomenon and the appearance of 
of objects in the sky in this wonderful book that's just filled with 500 well-documented cases uh, from before the Industrial Revolution. You know, we're dealing, we're dealing with something that's highly complex here, and I think that we should look at and exhaust all closed system possibilities before we jump off planet. I think part of the problem also is that we all want the Reader's Digest explanation. And this is part of our cable 24-7 news society where everybody has to be trained to speak in sound bites. If you can't give an answer in 15 seconds, well, the answer is not worth giving. Yeah, yeah. it's eight seconds, I think, is the, uh, is the optimum sound bite in Hollywood. Well, you know, they used to have 30-second commercials. Now you have to do 15-second commercials. So you have the break, for example, on a TV show. And before it was a one-minute commercial, very leisurely. Then you needed to capture the attention. So it was 30 seconds. Now it's 15 seconds. And soon it's just going to be, you know, five seconds per message, and you'll get dizzy watching it. Wait. All yeah. the DVRs have a fast-forward button. I love the, the, the old 80s show, Max Headroom, where they had the blipverts, which were, like, I think, uh, 0.2 seconds or something, <laughs> an entire ad. Well, you know, everything is coming to pass now. I mean, you had the movie Network from the 1970s and the Peter Finch character. And we know there's a certain TV commentator who has taken that to heart. But we won't mention his name. Please don't. We don't want to get into politics. But then, of course, there is exopolitics. There is the politics, I guess, of E.T. You first believe in E.T., therefore, I guess you have to have an interplanetary embassy or something. So exopolitics must be some way to formulate your embassy. I'm going to be real interested to hear what uh, Jacques Vallée has to, has to say about the idea of exopolitics. And should be, uh, hopefully we'll have time to ask that question. He's going to have a somewhat limited amount of time to spend with us, but we're going to cover as much ground as we can on this episode. And we're going to rely not just on our own questions and our own reading of the book, but we have some stuff, some ideas distilled from what you listeners have asked in our forums. If you go to forum.paracast.com, that's forum.paracast.com, you're able to post your comments, your questions. You can talk about UFOs, ghosts, things that go bump in the night. And some people talk about their favorite movies, their favorite music. Some are musicians, and they tell us about the kinds of guitars they have, the amplifiers they use, things like that. Of course, Chris is a musician, right? Yep. Exactly. You can also write to us, news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. We have Dr. Jacques Fillet coming up on the Paracast. He's author of a new book with Chris Aubeck called Wonders in the Sky. My co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors. In this ongoing, challenging economy, companies of all sizes must find new ways to cut costs. Every dollar saved helps the bottom line. That's why I recommend a web conferencing solution for your business. Go to Meeting. It helps improve overall business communications and efficiencies, not to mention improving the global economy. The easiest, most affordable for me is Go to Meeting, brought to you by Citrix. Reduce time on the road by presenting, training, and demonstrating online. Improve conference calls by collaborating in real time by sharing your screens. Go to Meeting is the best way to increase your productivity and cut costs. I've used Go to Meeting. It's great. My listeners can try Go to Meeting free for 45 days. That's 
gets one month of unlimited online meetings free. For this special offer, go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use their promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, promo code PODCAST, for the special free 45-day trial. Check it out. Still worrying? From GMO to organic food in jeopardy, divided by economic turmoil, there is still an answer. With just a little knowledge easily acquired, you will literally see food everywhere. Author Linda Runyon has these skills from having lived this way of life and created the tools so you could too. Wild food is economical, nutritious, freely available, abundant, and free for the taking. It is a skill that takes little time to learn, but stays with you for life. And now for a limited time, it's all on sale. It's called the Bye Bye Old Website Sale. Can you guess what's coming? Absolutely everything's on sale across the board, including our already discounted packages. And you know, the holidays are coming up fast. We don't know if we're going to have another sale this year. This was the only one in 2010 so far. We've been lucky to keep our prices the same since 2008, but who knows what the future will bring. So go to ofthefield.com now or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and cross food off your to-do list. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Most Americans believe famine and hunger will never happen. But what if, day one, mayhem breaks out at grocery stores? Day three, families are on edge. Day five, the neighbors come knocking. Day ten, small bands of thieves begin stealing at gunpoint. Day fifteen, desperation, but the government can't help because there's no food left. Introducing the grab-and-go emergency food supply from Solutions from Science. 84 delicious, nutritious food servings, including breakfast, lunch, and dinner entrees. Enough to feed four adults for a week. Every meal 100% vegetarian for longer shelf life. Claim your grab-and-go emergency food supply today at foodshortagesolutions.com. That's foodshortagesolutions.com. Or call 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. Grab-and-go emergency food supply. Better a year too soon than one day too late. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Philip Rogno. You're listening to Paracast, one of the most informative shows out there. So listen closely. You're in the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. Returning for an encore appearance, he was here a couple of years ago, we have Dr. Jacques Vallée. He is author with Chris Aubeck of a new book, Wonders in the Sky. Jacques, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Jacques, I wanted to ask you, first of all, I got the impression last time we talked to you, you were pretty much out 
of the UFO field. Now we have this book in our hands. So what made you consider getting back into it? I've never really been out of the uh, of the research. I mean, I'm. This is uh, you know a passion for me. Uh, I've been. I've stopped doing any kind of public speaking or you know public uh, publishing simply because the the field has gone off into areas where I, I don't feel that I can contribute very much. You know, people are mostly wanting to, to talk about Roswell and abductions and hypnosis and things like that, where I don't believe I can make um, a, a real contribution. So I've continued my own research, with, uh, and I've focused on things I could do with my own resources, in other words, uh, with uh, no outside money and no outside organization, simply with uh, trusted friends. I'm very much interested in field research, so I'm following a number of cases in, in the, the field, so I still go out and talk to witnesses and try to, to understand what they've uh, seen, uh, both in the U.S. and in other countries when I have a chance to travel. And then uh, this book came about because of, uh, well, you know, it's all Chris Holbeck's fault. I mean, he, he contacted me and reignited my, you know, my passion for the uh, ancient sightings. I know your book has quite a few of those, but I wanted to go back into something you said there. You don't want to get involved in the stuff like Roswell and the abduction scenario. Do you think these are all red herrings or what? No, I didn't say that. Uh, I, I just haven't researched both of those uh, fields, well, Roswell, I, I really have not researched at all. So I, I'm aware of what people are publishing, and I'm aware of the controversy around it. I've heard all the stories, uh, the same stories everybody else has heard, and I frankly don't know. I'm, I, I tend to approach it skeptically, um, but I have not reached a firm conclusion about it. On abductions, it's different. I, I've studied about 70 cases of abductions, some in, in great detail, uh, many others somewhat superficially. In other words, I've met the witnesses, I've heard their stories, but I have not done any, any follow-up myself. I've been you know, closely involved at one time with what Dr. John Mack was, was doing, uh, met with him several times and was you know, compared notes about this research. My main concern with abductions is not so much the phenomenon itself. I mean, it, it seems to be real enough and uh, certainly real to the people who have uh, had the experience. But I'm, I'm really concerned with the way it is being studied and especially with the hypnosis. I think it's unscientific, unethical, and, and just not the right way to approach a phenomenon. So it's wasting an opportunity to study uh, the experience when we hypnotize people. Okay, so it goes to say that you're not a supporter of something like hypnotic regression to recover supposedly lost memories. In, in most cases, no. No, and, and there is good psychological and psychiatric evidence to to establish that that this is not the the proper way to approach it. In fact, it, in many cases, it's a disaster. I've had uh, a number of letters from some of the abductees, including the most well-known abductees, writing to me asking if I knew uh, a real hypnotist or a real psychiatrist to help them 
because their experience had been changed by the hypnosis which was done by well-meaning amateurs who really didn't know what they were doing and assumed that hypnosis was uh, could could always uh, bring back accurate memories, which is obviously not the case. Well, I guess part uh, of the problem also is laymen may be influencing the subjects to bring back memories that fit in with their expectations, right? Well, in many cases they do, yes. But, but uh, in some of the cases I've studied, I've taken them, I've never hypnotized anybody myself, uh, but I've taken them to um, competent clinical psychologists who are trained in hypnosis and even in one case uh, were, were teaching hypnosis to, to psychologists. And um, in, in those cases, uh, the practitioners that I approached were horrified when I told them what was going on in the field, expressed you know, outrage that people were subjected to this kind of thing and explained to me why that was not the, the way to recover uh, memories in, in that particular kind of situation. If you want a very good description of that, you look at the book by um, Dr. Lindner, L-I-N-D-N-E-R, uh, called The 50-Minute Hour, in which there is a chapter called The Jet-Propelled Couch. Dr. Lindner, at the end of his career, wrote this book summarizing about 10 of the most interesting cases of his uh, psychiatric practice. And one case was a case in which he was approached by the FBI to treat a scientist who had been working at uh, a, a secret uh, atomic facility in the Southwest as head of a research project. Uh, and you can imagine what, what they were developing except that he wasn't working anymore because he was distracted by his very frequent travels in space, psychic travel in space. And Lindner goes into great detail to explain why he considered using hypnosis and decided not to. And I think that is a chapter that everybody interested in UFOs and especially in abductions should read very, very carefully. Okay, so briefly, and we'll move on to other stuff. If we're not doing it the right way with hypnosis and the present techniques, what is the right way to do it? Um, it's not really for me to say. I think it, um, if, if the subject was taken seriously, I would assemble a, uh, a group of people skilled in investigation and psychologists and psychiatrists and uh, try to, you know, spend a couple of days looking at the, the available techniques, uh, like there are techniques of relaxation that have been used in some cases, including cases in which I participated, that um, can allow the person to remember more. Um, and there are, uh, you know, there are other there are other ways, but uh, again, I, I'm not trained in that area, and it's really not for me to to say that. Well, we're just trying to get the overview. Okay, let's go back, you know, some of the early years of your research to bring it up to the present, because we have a lot of new listeners because we're on the radio network now, and so many have heard of UFOs in connection with ET. And at some point in time, your viewpoint of what the origin of UFOs diverged 
from the so-called Donald Kehoe belief system that flying saucers were here from outer space. Where did it go? Where did it change? And, and the uh, the Kehoe uh, belief system um, is is still with us, by the way. So, we, <laughs> unfortunately, we really yes, <laughs> uh, we haven't learned very much. But at in the fifties, I think it was absolutely the the most compelling uh, hypothesis. And and I'm not ashamed to say that's the initial uh, hypothesis that I considered um, when when I came when I got into the field because the uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. If it, it clearly these um, phenomena are not not of human origin, so um, if they are not of human origin, and it certainly appears to be a technology, the, the first thing that comes to mind is it must come from outer space. And I'll tell you what, Jacques. Let's pursue this in our next segment. We have Jacques Fillet joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in the Paracast. Does malware affect Macs? Well, here's the truth. Malware writers are targeting Macs more and more. And you may be surprised to find out just how much malware there is out there. From Trojan horses to scareware, from macroviruses to spyware, Macs are facing new threats regularly. Find out about what types of malware affect Macs and how to protect yourself. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Intego.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202, or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. 
www.lasegasig.com. Lasega's competitively priced comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at lasig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. Lasig for today's modern smoker. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flew away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Dr. Jacques Vallée joining us. He is co-author of a new book with Chris Aubeck called Wonders in the Sky. Chris O'Brien is my co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. We were talking about the evolution of Dr. Valet's thinking about UFOs. And early on, you thought it was E.T. What led you to believe that it was a far more complicated enigma? When I got into the field in the, in the 60s, of course, I read the books by, by Kehoe. Um, the phenomenon appeared as a technology, and it still does in, in many cases, but not in all cases. Uh, and the the first hypothesis that you have to consider is that it does come from outer space. This was certainly the hypothesis put forward by, by Kehoe in the 50s. Of course, everybody had seen the science fiction movies, or, you know, the B-movies, and uh, Forbidden Planet and movies like that where um, clearly the, the whole idea of contact with uh, interplanetary aliens was uh, was very much in the in the American culture and in the, in the world culture. In fact, my first two books were directed at the uh, the idea of extraterrestrial life. And by the way, it, it still has to be one of the hypotheses because it, it's a big universe out there. We know now that the conditions for life must exist throughout the universe. That wasn't necessarily true in the 60s. I remember Dr. Hynek was teaching that um, we should expect to see planets around stars just like we see kittens around a cat. But many astronomers disagreed with that and said um, the Earth is unique and human life is unique, human intelligence is unique, and by the way, even if there was uh, life out there, it couldn't travel here because the distances are too great, speed of light, and so on. 
Today, I think we're, scientists are a little bit more open-minded, not much, but a little bit more, and we've, got, we've discovered 500 planets. So now the, you know, the, the idea that there is life in outer space uh, is much more prevalent. Also, um, we understand more about the conditions under, under which life can exist and prosper. Also, we understand that uh, complex molecules can exist in, in outer space including interstellar space, which I would have been, uh, you know, thrown out of the university if I had said that when I was studying astronomy. So, so we've made a lot of progress. So the idea of uh, extraterrestrial intelligence manifesting here is, has always to be one of the hypotheses, but there are others. And the problem with the ETH, uh, you know, the uh, ET hypothesis, is that it doesn't explain the data as we as a database exists today. When I speak to when I talk to witnesses, in most cases they don't describe a craft that comes down from the sky and lands and makes a hole in the ground and, and then takes off again. Most of the time they describe a light that very often manifests all of a sudden in their vicinity in some cases, turns into something that looks like a machine or a technology, performs something like stopping a car or you know, chasing uh, an airplane or, you know, in fact, landing or leaving traces, and then, in many cases, disappears on the spot, even disappears by becoming transparent, for example, or by changing shape and reducing itself to a point and vanishing on the spot. And those are, I realize that there are physical theories, you know, including general relativity, that under some conditions could explain that kind of behavior. But if the technology can do that, it can be from any, anywhere, any time. So it could be, for example, from a parallel universe. It could be from some place in time. Um, it could be uh, created by some phenomenon of human consciousness that we just don't know about yet. So reducing it to saying these are aliens from outer space and, and forcing that as the hypothesis for UFOs is much too narrow. We have to open up the, the spectrum of uh, possibilities and, and then it becomes much more exciting. I think that's a very, very good point that uh, the ETH does have, uh, and as we go along in time, it does, it seems to gain legs. However, there's certain elements that uh, you brought out very early on uh, in, in terms of the data that don't support um, a nuts and bolts theory. One of the things that's always puzzled me uh, in my own personal investigative work and uh, in reading your work, uh, John Keel, others, is the absurdity factor. There's, there seems to be a nonsensical um, element that doesn't quite um, make sense, I think, uh, for nuts and bolts theory. When did you first start noticing that there were, there were just elements uh, behind many of these cases that absolutely made no sense and that, uh, that it almost called into question um, the very validity of the experience itself? I, um, 40 years ago, I, I published a book called Passport to Magonia, which was, um, uh, and after publishing two books arguing about the reality of UFOs as a technology and probably as a technology from outer space, 
um, by then I had a lot more data, and I began asking myself the question, when did all this begin? Which is, you know, in science, when you're confronted with a new phenomenon, one of the things you do is you look for patterns. And uh, especially in my field, which is information science, I, I don't consider myself a physicist. I was trained in astrophysics, but, but really most of my career has been in, in computer science and in information science. And so I tend to look for patterns. And um, most UFO books still today say the, the UFO phenomenon started on 24 June 1947 when Kenneth Arnold, a uh, <laughs> pilot in the state of Washington, saw you know, the flying saucers over Mount Rainier and so on. Well, he didn't actually see flying saucers. He never described it that way. He saw crescents, silver crescents that were skipping in the air just like a saucer would skip on water. And then the, the journalists turned that into flying saucers. So, but uh, the, uh, we have data before Kenneth Arnold. We have data in the 19th century, lots of data. And then we have, if you read Charles Fort and people like that, you find that there have been sightings in, in prior centuries. So I started, I had some time on my hand. And I was living in France at the time and had access to very, very good libraries and archives, and I started researching older sightings, and I found that the phenomenon extended very, very far in the past, and that the behavior, and, and you point out the absurdity uh, factor, that absurdity factor was there also in the, in the early uh, cases, and that the, there was a parallel between the behavior of the phenomenon as it is described today including the entities associated with it, the so-called uh, aliens, uh, and what was described in more in older stories as uh, the elves and the demons and the angels and the creatures of light and, and what they did, and the jinn, of course, in the Middle East and so on. And I became very interested in this, and uh, Passport to Magonia was, was really based on the idea of a parallel between the behavior of the phenomenon in medieval times and its behavior now. And of course, every culture in every era has interpreted it in its own terms. So we tend to interpret it in uh, space, space travel terms as aliens from another planet, just like people in the 16th century were interpreting it as uh, you know, creatures from hell or creatures from inside the earth or elves and fairies and leprechauns and things like that who are also doing absurd things. So it's well, the cultural things. factor here that we're talking about that it seems yeah. to inherit the culture and the expectations of the society where they see these things. Yes, but you, when you strip the, the description of those cultural factors, what you end up with is the same thing we do today. In other words, a, a light that seems to contain or to be created by a technology that seems to be able to affect the environment with uh, heat and, uh, in some cases, radiation and traces on the ground and, and an alteration of the sense of reality in the witness that's interpreted as an abduction in many cases and uh, paralysis and all those things are present throughout time and in the book that uh, Chris Orbeck and I are just have just published in uh, Wonders in the Sky you find a lot more data now reinforcing that uh, that pattern 
Yeah, and I'll, and I'll absolutely uh, agree with that. And I I'll must tell you what, Chris, out. we have to break through the break now, then you go on to it, okay? okay. Dr. Jacques Vallée joins us. He's author with Chris Aubeck of Wonders in the Sky. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return with Dr. Jacques Vallée on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. Chris, you have a question to follow up on. Well, first of all, I have an observation, and I must say, reading through Wonders in the Sky, I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed at the amount of real good, solid research and data mining that Chris and yourself have 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 done. This is a very impressive uh, reference book. It's it's jaw dropping in its in its scope. Um, there's 500 cases that I, I just. I can't recommend this book enough to our listeners. I I almost get the sense, uh, Doctor Valet, that this this is almost Passport to to Magonia Part Two, but in, done in such a way, um, the way that you've rated uh, each of these uh, these reports and 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 your methodology of compiling these reports, it's it's very impressive. And you know, I kind of get the sense that this is almost a Passport to Magonia Part Two. Uh, was was that kind of the way you were? approaching this? Yes, very much so. And uh, a lot of the credit, most of the credit has to go to, to Chris Orbeck. And in a way, this is also uh, you know, a, a transition of generations because Chris is much younger than I am. He will write many other books. Uh, I won't. And uh, I want to go back to my quiet, <laughs> my quiet research. Chris is a, uh, you know, loves language. He's a philologist. He's a, a young Englishman who lives in Madrid. He's a lover of history. And he contacted me uh, six year, about six years ago. We uh, talked about Passport to Magonia, and he said that essentially he was uh, going over that, that same uh, territory, but using the internet. And I think this book is only possible, number one, because of the, the scholarship that, that Chris um, you know, is bringing to the subject, and the internet. In, in the internet in two ways, because uh, what I could not do, when, when I wrote Passport to Magonia, I, I knew I was just scratching the surface. 
and I uh, only had access to you know fairly limited resources, good libraries, but I couldn't go you know take two years off and travel around the world and visit every museum or every library looking for old records. Now you can do that from your living room using um, the web because uh, 50,000 newspapers have put their collections online. Many museums have done the same thing and there are more and more every day. So if you have the right search engines, um, you you can uh, really gather, do a, a lot of data mining on, on the web today. The, the second aspect of the internet is that um, Chris was able to create a, a project, a collaboration project called the Magonia Exchange with about 10 uh, active people and many others who collaborate from time to time, but 10 active people from um, Russia and Germany and Latin America and of course the US exchanging data and pooling their resources and tracking down references and critiquing the, those cases. So when he contacted me, we uh, merged our databases. Since Magonia, I had continued to, to accumulate cases that people sent me or that I found. And then we started looking at the, the cases one by one and uh, eliminating all those that could be meteors and comets and, and so on. There are now excellent um, historical books about the, the history of comets. Uh, there's a, a big book called uh, Cometography that has a, um, an analysis of comets you know, down through history. I mean, we, we use the references like that and references on the web to track down as many of those cases as possible. And for every case we kept, we uh, eliminated four or five or ten. And my, my recommendation to Chris was that we, we shouldn't stop until we had 500 cases and before the um, Industrial Revolution. We didn't quite make it. We, we stopped in uh, 1879. But 1879 is still pretty good because there was no airplane in the sky. There were a few balloons, but people knew where they were. I mean, they were the people flying balloons were, were pretty well known. There was no dirigible, and there was no CIA, there were no secret prototypes, there was no U-2, there was no Area 51. I mean, if something was in the sky, it uh, was uh, described pretty well. I mean, you could, you could analyze it in terms of natural phenomena. And one of the criticisms that I expect uh, that our book will receive, uh, especially from ufologists, is, well, you know, it's old uh, folklore. I was attacked, you know, pretty viciously with Passport to Magonia by ufologists who said, well, you know, uh, Valley has gone off the deep end with this thing because all this is folk vague folklore. It is not vague folklore. The, uh, the consuls in Rome, in the Roman Empire, had made a, a rule that they had to have a report every year on any unusual thing in the sky. And this was, of course, for uh, astrological reasons that anything unusual in the sky might be a might announce um, an important historical event you know famine and war revolution uh, the death of an emperor or things like that and so they uh, those records many some of them were were lost but many of them were saved by historians who wrote their own books 
based on those records, and uh, those were picked up again in the Middle Ages and have traveled down to us. So it, it's a little bit as if um, Barack Obama called the Secretary of the Air Force and said, I demand to have a quarterly report on UFOs uh, seen over the U.S. You know, on my desk. Yeah, and, we can only uh, be so lucky. Well, yes. <laughs> and, well uh, Jacques, one th- one thing that I noticed uh, in here, which I I I really was found gratifying. I've I've heard you know so many skeptics and uh, naysayers say, well, how come astronomers uh, never see these objects? And I am absolutely bedazzled by the amount of of credible ast- astronomy. Uh, uh, astronomer reports in this book, especially you know, obviously from the 15th century on, it's it's just I mean, page after page after page of objects that are seen by by people who have you know state of the art training for the time period. Uh, that's that's something that I think should be pointed out. One of the but things I that I had uh, observing instruments that are you know for the, for the, for what they were doing equal to what we have today. I mean, the uh, you know Paris Observatory had uh, first class telescopes. And when you have, uh, you know, Le Verrier, when you have Lagrange, when you have Cassini, uh, when you have the uh, the secretary of the Royal Society, I mean, you, all these people who are, you know, luminaries of, of science, uh, describing objects in the sky that, and, and saying that they, they could not explain them, then we cannot explain them. You know, th- that's absolutely uh, absolutely uh, fascinating and that's one of the things that kept us going I mean we worked very hard on this for six years nobody got paid there was no budget there was no um, you know no, nobody no sponsor we just did it and uh, it was uh, absolutely fascinating to discover it was it was really a journey of discovery uh, to to track down those uh, the references for for all these cases, some of which have been sketched out in some UFO books, you know, because other people have gone through some of that before us. Of course, we we don't pretend to have invented all this, but the in many cases they could not get to the original reference, and so we tracked it down in in every case. And you have Cassini observing something at Paris Observatory, and he did not publish it because he had seen it only once, but a few years later he saw it again in very similar circumstances, and then he published the two observations. And here you have, you see how science developed in a very open, intellectually rich context, and you wonder, when did science become this sort of constipated, you know, a uh, close-minded uh, thing that we we have today in academic science when when you're talking about new phenomena. Well, maybe How nowadays, of course, it's also the political influences because they have to get grants and they have to deal with politicians and things get kind of messy. We'll get into that more in a moment. Jacques Vallée joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi. 
Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Looking for the ultimate superfood? One that will give you lasting energy, improve your sense of well-being, and help you build lean muscle? One World Whey is the first ever unheated whey protein powder on the market. Virtually all other whey protein powders on the market are heated. This damages 15% or more of the proteins, making them unusable to the body. Fresh raw whey has been used for hundreds of years to alleviate many health problems. The life-giving properties in raw whey are now available in One World Whey. Whether you want to build immunity, strength, endurance, muscle, slow down aging or just feel a lot better one world way may be the perfect food for you one world way is also an ideal emergency preparedness food simply mix with water and you'll have a delicious life-giving protein food in vanilla chocolate or strawberry for your free report on the benefits of unheated whey protein powder call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldwhey.com Still worrying? From GMO to organic food in jeopardy divided by economic turmoil, there is still an answer. With just a little knowledge easily acquired, you will literally see food everywhere. Author Linda Runyon has these skills from having lived this way of life and created the tools so you could too. Wild food is economical, nutritious, freely available, abundant, and free for the taking. It is a skill that takes little time to learn but stays with you for life. And now for a limited time, it's all on sale. It's called the Buy Buy Old Website Sale. Can you guess what's coming? Absolutely everything's on sale across the board, including our already discounted packages. And you know, the holidays are coming up fast. We don't know if we're going to have another sale this year. This was the only one in 2010 so far. We've been lucky to keep our prices the same since 2008, but who knows what the future will bring. So go to ofthefield.com now or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and cross food off your to-do list. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We have Dr. Jacques Vallée. He's written with Chris Aumbeck a new book called Wonders in the Sky, tracing UFOs, strange things in the sky, going back for hundreds and hundreds of years. So one of the questions we were raising before we continued here and that is, Jacques, do you think it's the political posture that causes science to be, as they say, constipated nowadays? The, there are open-minded scientists, and um, you know, especially here in, in Silicon Valley where I work. Uh, one, one of my colleagues uh, commented one day about my research by saying, when we stop asking these questions, we might as well you know, close down Silicon Valley or, or sell it to the Japanese, because uh, Silicon Valley is based on people thinking out of the box and asking questions like the, the questions we're asking now. I mean, we have a phenomenon that is unusual, and that's how science gets breakthroughs. But most of science today is, of course, a big, you know, based on big institutions that are funded by government grants in many cases. And it's, most of it is really incremental. It's not looking for breakthroughs. In fact, it frowns on, on breakthroughs. It's really looking for the next iteration or an improvement, and one will make improvements all the time. I mean, just look at your, you know, your, your iPhone or, or your computer. But those are incremental uh, improvements that come out of labs where people have been working diligently to, to get to the next decimal place or get to the next improvement. The UFO phenomenon is, is a surprise. It comes from, in, in ways we don't expect, it does not come to us through scientific channels in most cases, although if we had access to some of the military records... Mm, boy, wouldn't that be that, nice. <laughs> ...that are instrumented, and we, we know from reports from pilots and so on that in many cases they have seen things, but they have also recorded things, and the records have been taken away. If we had access, if science had access to those records, it would be a whole new ballgame. But, you know, and we can discuss why, why science does not have access to those records. But well, one it, of the things, though, that you do raise there is, okay, the military maybe has information, but do you think any government on Earth knows what's really going on? Do they even have a clue? I, I would only guess, my guess would be no, that they have data, but they don't have the solution. Because in, and I think that's something that many people don't understand. The, the fact that you have a lot of data about the phenomenon doesn't mean you understand it. I mean, we have a lot of data about cancer, and uh, we've certainly worked on, uh, you know, the problem of, of cancer for the last 50 years with all the techniques and instruments of modern science, and we still have only you know, fragmentary understanding of the process. And, and uh, we certainly don't have a solution, a global solution to the problem. So that's you know, the, the way science should work, is that you make the data available on a competitive basis to different teams of scientists with different ideas, 
different hypotheses, different techniques, and then they communicate among themselves. And But that's not the way the military works. I mean, the military has very specific missions, and when something happens outside of those missions, the tendency is to, well, examine the data to see if it's a new threat, and if it's not an obvious new threat, then uh, it goes into a drawer, and in many cases it's forgotten. Well, you think maybe that's part of the problem, too, that maybe there is that Warehouse 13 where the military has all sorts of information and evidence, but they aren't looking at it because it's not an immediate threat, doesn't fit into their framework. Well, I don't know the, the, the right answer to that, but in the cases where I do have firsthand experience, the data may not even be there anymore because I know of some archives including some military archives that have been dispersed or uh, shredded simply to make, you know, for, uh, for new records. And uh, we will certainly have testimony from people who were, you know, clerical assistants in some of these archives and were told to, uh, to digitize records, for example, to make, make room and eliminate the paper records, and in many cases the paper record was shredded and and the digital record was never done. There are also cases uh, where people in charge of the archive maybe were very interested in the cases, but their bosses were not, and they were told to de- destroy the, the data, again, in, uh, just to make, make room, and uh, where they just took the cases away. I think that's only true of some of the Blue Book projects. I, there was a funny, a funny incident uh, in the days of the Condon study when Professor Condon, I, I think somebody on the Hill, some senator or some congressman, wanted to have information about a certain sighting that had happened in his district. And he asked the Air Force, and uh, the Air Force asked Dr. Condon because they thought he had the record and he didn't. And the Air Force couldn't produce a record because it had disappeared from their files. And uh, in many cases, you know, somebody just took it uh, to show it to his kids or just to just to save it from being destroyed by uh, by some bureaucrat. So when we send out all these freedom of information requests, maybe there's just nothing to give us. Well, in many cases, the record isn't there. And uh, that's only true in France. And uh, it's certainly true in the uh, Blue Book files. There are cases that, uh, for which we have a reference in the index, and I, I had compiled the first complete index of the Air Force files when I was working with Dr. Hynek in the, in the mid-60s at, at Northwestern in Chicago. And um, some of those uh, cases uh, only exist in, uh, in the index anymore, unless somebody saved it, and I, I've saved a lot of them. Uh, copies, I should say. I didn't have the originals. But, you know, that's the way bureaucracy works. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, these are uh, things that don't, uh, to the bureaucracy, don't seem to have any any real importance, especially after you have the Academy of Sciences coming up with a report that says there is nothing to it and it's not a threat and people shouldn't be spending time or money studying it. Yeah, so let's, let's create MUFON. <laughs> So it's not really the fault of the military all the time. I mean, the scientific community has been uh, has not really been diligent in, in uh, encouraging anybody to save the data. 
So maybe you're suggesting here that a lot of the key evidence, the most important evidence that maybe we could acquire to learn something more, doesn't exist because it's been thrown away. Um, uh, historical evidence. Uh, we have more data, more accurate data from the Roman Empire. <laughs> if you read, uh, if you read our book, than uh, many many of the recent data. You know, the the uh, old data. You have to remember that this was in cultures where most people were illiterate. So the people who wrote down the records and took the time to do it, and again, paper was expensive, and some of those cases were not written on paper. They were written on papyrus or carved in stone. And so somebody took a lot of trouble to preserve those those cases. So if you spend all that faith, time, it's not disposable. It becomes more compelling to save it. We have Dr. Jacques Vallée. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. As gardeners, we can all relate. What do you do with all of the excess food that you grow? Freezing or canning may have been the process you've used, but the good folks at Excalibur Dehydrator have a healthy alternative to preserve the fruits of your labor. The Excalibur Dehydrator will help you preserve your fruits and vegetables quickly and easily, so you don't have to worry about premature spoiling. You can also use your Excalibur Dehydrator year-round to make delicious jerky. And the best part? The foods you dehydrate are free from excess additives, salt, and preservatives, and that's something we can all 
all do without. To learn more and to order your very own Excalibur Dehydrator, visit Dryingone23.com and see how the Excalibur Dehydrator can help you preserve your favorite foods. Mention coupon code GCN and receive a free book on how to preserve your foods. Again, that's D-R-Y-I-N-G-123.com, Dryingone23.com or call 1-800-875-4254. That's 1-800-875-4254 today. Hi, I'm here talking with Don Wiskin of HeartDrop.com. I understand that you changed the name of your product, Don. Yes, we did. It's now Extendabite, meaning to extend your life. Wow, extend your life. Everybody wants to extend their life. How is it made, Don? Well, Extendabite is made from herbs gathered from many different parts of the world. We chose seven of the heart and health-related herbs known to improve your health. Your heart drops have always kept me from feeling sick or run down, Don. Will Extendivite continue to do the same thing for me? Yes, it will. All we changed was the name. I'm here because at 42, I had a heart attack and the garlic cayenne drops gave me back my life. We have been talking with Don Wiskin about his exciting new product called Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit his website at heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P dot com. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Dr. Jacques Fillet. He and Chris Aubeck have a new book out called Wonders in the Sky. You can get a copy from your favorite bookseller or Amazon or click on the link over at theparacast.com. And you were talking about the record keeping, and I guess the long and short of it is, Jacques, that if you spend all that time basically putting the words to paper, you're more inclined to want to preserve it. But in a disposable society, sometimes we dispose of these things too readily. Well, the... If you write something on a CD today, it, it probably will be unreadable in five years. If you put it on paper, um, you know, paper can be attacked by oxygen and fire and rats and insects and, so, and water, of course. So the probability it's going to survive is, is pretty low, uh, including in government archives. And the, the ancient records that have come down to us were things that people really wanted to preserve and because they felt it was it was important so in that sense we think Chris and I think of our book as as just the beginning we would like to um, alert the, uh, the community of scholars not so much the astronomers or the military or any of that but the, the people working in museums the librarians the archivists uh, the people who uh, study uh, old manuscripts or correspondence of, you know, there, there must be tons of things in the attic of castles in France and Italy and England and so on where they, people have related things like that. And we, we found some of that and we published it whenever we found it. I mean, those are the best records. Uh, when somebody writes, you know, my dear uncle, you will not believe what we saw in the garden yesterday, you know, and it's, you know, 1671 or something like that. The cases in uh, China and um, Japan are especially precious, and we hope to inspire 
you know, scholars from those cultures to go back and we, we only have fragmentary information about what they have in their museums and uh, there must be a lot more. I mean, the Chinese culture is so rich and so so ancient that there must be a lot more a lot more cases. We have quite a few cases from China and they are written in a beautiful poetic descriptions and they are ex- extraordinary. And again, they uh, match the descriptions of uh, the UFO phenomenon today. So somebody needs to explain that at some point. In the book, we don't we don't explain anything. We don't have a, a pet hypothesis that we're pushing. We're not trying to tell you what to think. I mean, it's just too early. We just have 500 cases before uh, the modern age, uh, before there was anything human flying in the sky that are begging for explanation. The the book is in three parts. The first part is a collection of cases that we call the chronology, placing every period in its own historical context in terms of uh, science, communication, and, and so on. The second part contains examples of the cases we rejected. And of course, we couldn't put all of them because it would be, you know, it would be an encyclopedia, but giving examples of what we rejected and why. And then the third section is really the disclosure, very complete disclosure on the sources and methods we used in the selection so that people can, can see what we did and they can agree or disagree with the selection criteria. And then in the conclusion, uh, we've done a number of uh, statistical studies relating the, you know, the time of day, the frequency, the frequency during the year, the duration of cases, and so on. And we did not include any legends. Uh, people say, uh, well, the Hopi Indians have a legend about a beautiful maiden coming from the sky in a flying basket, and so on. Well, that's great, but uh, and it's certainly very interesting for folklore study for anthropologists and so on, but we don't have a date and a place and, and the name of the witness. What we wanted were cases that were that we could place at least, you know, fairly precisely within a year and then in, in the later centuries very precisely. So we wanted a date and a place. And in many cases we had the date, the place, the name of the witness and the time of day. So you can begin to do some some good statistics, and uh, then people are free to uh, test their own hypotheses against the database. One of the things, uh, Dr. Valet, that, that always struck me about your work and, and your out-of-the-box thinking uh, was your idea of some of, I think, your, your, you tended to sort of drift over into the, to the thinking that this could possibly be uh, manifesting in its totality as some sort of, of a control system uh, that you, you use the description of a thermostat. Um, and that always struck me as being, uh, it had a real ring to it. And uh, when people ask me what's the, uh, the, the good book to, to read about ufology that doesn't uh, talk about Roswell, of course, I always mention uh, your book Dimensions, where you do uh, go into quite a bit of detail with that thinking. I seem to recall back in, in the late 70s, I think you did a, a magazine interview with Jerry Clark and Fate, and uh, you, were, you were quoted as saying that assuming that there is a feedback mechanism involved in the operations of the control system, if you can change the information that's carried back to the system, 
you might be able to infiltrate it through its own feedback. Uh, could you possibly elaborate quickly on that? I was, was very struck by that, and it stuck with me for a long time, and I did look up the actual quote. Well, it's, um, I, again, I'm an information scientist, so I don't look at things the same way that uh, you know, my, my colleagues in, in physics uh, like you know, uh, uh, Professor Michio Kaku, for example, is is now, and I'm delighted to see that somebody of this stature is is now looking at the, the theory of different dimensions and, and opening up the hypothesis for the phenomenon. It when I look at the behavior of it, it and you mentioned the absurdity. Well, absurdity has its own. Uh, its own structure. Absurdity doesn't mean that something doesn't have any structure, especially when you look now at the the full historical tapestry that we have, especially with the, with this book now. It it appears that the the phenomenon is reacting to to us in or to our own interpretation of it in in a very very interesting way. And, of course, it doesn't mean that there is somebody controlling it, you know, turning the knobs in some some cave in the Himalayas or in some, you know, some mountain of the moon to control us. That's not what I mean by control system. I mean a, a system that controls information in, in a way that keeps a higher level standard constant or uh, drives it to a particular state of the of the system think of ecology for example if if we you know if if the pacific ocean heats up then certain phenomena happen that that we again control the overall temperature and you have wind and storms and so on in a particular way that's a feedback system and it's it's a control system but it's a natural control system now we have human control systems uh, the culture that we uh, that we evolve collectively is a sort of control system that expressed through language and through images and through technology and through all of that. So, um, and we are not necessarily conscious of it. The UFO phenomenon seems to have a technology associated with it and a form of consciousness associated with it. And that form of consciousness is not reacting to things in a linear way, but it, it, it seems to have its own internal structure. And people like uh, Jung, for example, the, you know, the, the psychiatrist, uh, came up with the idea of archetypes and the idea of a collective unconscious, including with respect to sightings of UFOs, including with, with respect to ancient UFOs, ancient descriptions of the phenomenon as expressions of the collective unconscious. I'll tell you what, Jacques, we have to break here. We have Dr. Jacques Vallée, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. 
Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202, or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory Direct. Wholesale Pricing. If you're not satisfied with how your skin is aging and want a healthy, youthful glow with immediate results, get a facelift from the inside out with Visori. Like a mini facelift, only without needles or surgery, Visori is a revolutionary youth rejuvenation skincare system that's proven to work for your money back. Visori is all natural and chemical and preservative free. It helps reverse damage to complexions as a result of aging, stress, lifestyle, and pollution. Visori reduces skin pore size, firms, lifts, and tightens, leaving you with soft, silky, shiny skin and looking years younger. You may have seen Visori reviewed by CBS TV News. Now see how Visori is helping men and women get a fountain of youth facelift at avatarfacial.com and click on CBS TV News to see video of the amazing Visori skincare system. Call 888-203-5278. That's 888-203-5278 or go to avatarfacial.com spelled A-V-A-T-A-R facial.com and click on CBS TV News. Visori, the fountain of youth facelift. Okay, I want to address the skeptics listening to talk radio. You hear multiple commercials on products that make you feel better and help you lose weight, but you don't believe it. Companies come and go. Well, people, I understand. You really are desiring a product that works, but you're tired of getting burned with substandard quality, gimmicks, and three to six month get involved contracts. Life Change Tea is different. I speak for Life Change Tea because I lost 25 pounds, lowered my blood pressure, and blood sugar levels. I sleep well at night knowing Life Change Tea customers are receiving a real product that works, customer service, and customer satisfaction. So here's my spiel. Test us, try us, and receive results. And if you don't try us, that's okay. And if you do, you'll be a happy tea customer getting healthy. So order now. Call us at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. In my opinion, you won't be sorry. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. 
We have Dr. Jacques Vallée. He is co-author with Chris Aubeck of Wonders in the Sky, collecting strange reports of strange objects in the sky going back to antiquity. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, let us continue what we were talking about here, trying to maybe define what the phenomenon is. But does any of that say it can't be E.T.? No, there is no no way that we can put limits on what could be out there, on the, the forms of consciousness, the forms of life that could be uh, out in, in space. But remember, we're very, our concept of space and time is, is extraordinarily primitive. And um, again, the idea of other dimensions beyond the three dimensions of space and the one dimension of time that, that idea, when uh, when I wrote Passport to Magonia and when I wrote Dimensions, was a, a marginal idea in physics that uh, that came from people doing cosmology and people doing particle physics. And if you remember, in in, in quantum in, in quantum mechanics, you need an infinity of dimensions. So that idea was still there, but it was already there. But it was there as a mathematical speculation. Nobody was really seriously looking at, uh, uh, at other dimensions as a physical reality, but now they do. I mean, now this is mainstream physics. Again, Dr. Michio Kaku is expressing that much better than, uh, than I do in terms of the possibility of other universes, universes parallel to ours. Dr. Heineck used to joke about maybe there's a universe five minutes ahead of us. Maybe there is a, we're dancing with entities that come from a universe that's just just very close to us and and uh, that we don't uh, we don't see. And the big challenge is how would we communicate with it? And if we can communicate, can we send matter into that other universe or just information? And uh, what are the consequences of that? I mean, this is again, this is uh, mainstream physics. Not because of UFOs, but because of problems in, in cosmology and problems in, um, in, in uh, elementary particle physics. The placing boundaries around the phenomenon is very difficult. And you have to realize the, the, the book, I think one of the interesting aspects of, uh, of Wonders in the Sky, certainly to me, was the dynamics between, uh, between Chris, Chris Obeck and me. Chris is very much a scholar, he's extremely precise, and uh, he wanted to really limit what we included in the book to aerial phenomena. I was much more willing to be a little bit loose with the definitions and include entities. And uh, Chris, we, we had some real fights about this, and I think it's healthy in a book to have authors who have different, you know, different approaches to it. And I do hope you will interview Chris and let him, you know, talk about his side of the his side of the of the story. That's uh, in the works, by the way, Jacques. Yeah. Oh, excellent! And I, I won. He let me get away with a couple of a couple of cases where there was just an entity, because it was so illustrative of the phenomenon as a whole. But in many in most cases, uh, we only included entities that were associated with. Uh, a light or an aerial phenomenon, a globe of light or, or things of that type. The, um, we had a big fight about Joan of Arc. 
if you remember, Joan of Arc had an immense uh, impact on, on history, on European history. Uh, she was this young lady who was inspired to uh, take the to take over the the, the French armies, and she was inspired by uh, entities of light, by beings of light, who were that she mostly heard, but it seems that she also saw them, and they were off to the side, and they were talking to her. There is a, a great painting in New York, in one of the museums in New York, of uh, of these uh, these entities of light and and uh, and Joan uh, listening to them. And Chris was saying, "Well, th- this is not an aerial phenomenon according to our definition." And of course, I accused him of wanting to cover up the case because he's an Englishman. But uh, so we had a good <laughs> laugh about that, and you know, we, but he. You know, I lost that one, so we don't talk about Joan of Arc in the book. There are other cases where I, I, I won, and he let me get away with it. But he's right in saying if, if we start including entities by themselves, including uh, beings of light and so on, then it's a 5,000-page book, not a 500-page book. So we limited it to uh, cases where there was, there was an, actually, an actual aerial phenomenon. But it's very difficult to make these definitions. Where do you draw the line? Exactly. Well, one of the things that I, I've always uh, felt, uh, you know, fairly, I just have always gotten a sense uh, of tricksterism uh, being involved in many of the cases uh, down through history. And you mentioned Jung's uh, idea of the collective unconscious. Of course, the, the trickster is, is one of the more primordial archetypal symbols that we all share uh, around the world uh, subculturally. Uh, how about the trickster? I mean, I've never seen you actually mention the trickster um, as a potential player in uh, in some, if not most, of these cases. Uh, what do you think of that, of, of, of a tricksterish force that might be involved here? Well, the, the trickster, and of course it, it belongs more to anthropology than it does to, and I try to stay pretty close to what witnesses describe, and but the, the trickster comes in, of course there is a trickster in every uh, culture, there is a, a coyote, you know, coyote in the Indian cultures, there is legba, of course in the, the voodoo. There's the hundreds, African hundreds culture. of them the African tradition and so on. And what's very interesting about Legba or Coyote uh, is that um, he's absurd. And he uses absurdity, and he also has an extraordinary sense of humor, and he belongs to the boundary. I mean, Legba is a uh, a deity of the crossroad and of the boundary and of the transition between uh, day and night. And uh, that that idea of the threshold, where perceptions are, can be fooled. A human perception is very much in question. Uh, you don't see very clearly, and and your mind is somewhat troubled. And then things can happen that seem absurd. And then uh, later on, you 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 realize. And of course, the devil. I mean, the devil in in the medieval tradition is uh, very frightening, but he's also funny, and he's also absurd. And he's absurd in ways that can teach us something, as well as, of course, uh, you know, have a, a very evil uh, evil result. And, 
that, that the complexity of the phenomenon is similar to, to the complexity of, uh, of UFOs. And that's one more reason why it's... Uh, and, and, and you find that in some of the descriptions, for example, the ancient, uh, ancient Chinese descriptions that we have in the book of uh, witnesses who say, I, I, I saw this and I'm relating it as I saw it, but I hope that somebody can give me an explanation because I was left completely befuddled by what I had seen. And including some of the physical traces that are left that just don't seem to fit anywhere. And it's not accounted for just by the witnesses being uh, distracted by the phenomenon or disoriented by the phenomenon. It, it goes deeper than that. It's as if there was something that could manipulate matter at a very deep level. Jacques, I know you have to leave us in a few moments, so let me ask you a quick final question here. Having gone this far, are you going to be making any public appearances in connection with this book other than doing, of course, the radio circuit? No, I, I'm pretty busy with my professional work, and uh, you know, my, my work is with, uh, with high technology, and it, it keeps me very busy. Um, I think the, the Internet is uh, probably the best way of alerting people to the, to the research, and, to, uh, and the research, of course, is going to continue. Uh, both again, both Chris and I think that this is just the beginning. If people get in contact with Chris, uh, they can join the the, the research. Uh, it's called the Magonia Exchange, and uh, uh, Chris's uh, email address is in the book, and uh, and my my mail address. If people want to to send me some some information. Fast question here: Is there a website we can check out? Um. I think that uh, you, you should get that from uh, from Chris. Uh, I maintain my own website, but it's mostly about uh, about, about my work in, in technology. We'll ask Chris when we have him on the show. The book is called Wonders in the Sky from Jacques Vallée and Chris Aubeck. Jacques Vallée, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is the post-game show. You're in the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg with Chris O'Brien. We've just had 
an all-too-brief session with Dr. Jacques Vallée, where we had about five pages of questions, a lot of research. I know I had some ideas there, and Chris spent all this time putting them together, but Jacques could only give us an hour of his time. I hope he'll be back in the future. But let's look at the stuff that maybe we can recover here and bring some of the reactions. What do you think, Chris? We do have uh, quite a number of questions from the Paracast Forum participants. Uh, very good, well-thought-out questions. Unfortunately, because he um, he really is uh, focused on his uh, latest book, Wonders in the Sky, with Chris Aubeck, the majority of the conversation obviously was about this this just absolutely incredible uh, piece of work. I mean, this is this is one of the most important reference books ever, uh, I think, ever published in ufology, but... That being the case, uh, we didn't have a chance to ask a bunch of questions that we had uh, about his work, some of the uh, projects that he's been involved with. Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about the uh, the Sherman Ranch case, the Skinwalker Ranch case up in Utah, which uh, I don't know if he would have even uh, if he would appreciated that. But uh, why I'd- would he have not appreciated it? Please tell us. Well, like most people that have been uh, associated with that particular effort that uh, was spearheaded by the National Institute of Discovery Sciences, he probably has a non-disclosure gag order on him. But um, because I've done quite a bit of, of research and investigation in the surrounding areas that don't involve directly the Sherman Ranch, uh, I was going to go into some of those uh, questions. And plus, I wanted to bring up uh, his recent trip with Frank Salisbury, who we just had on the show. And, and uh, you know, of course, Dr. Salisbury mentioned that uh, he and Valet had done some interviewing up there. And uh, You know what you would know, be interesting, too, if we get Jock back on the show, let's have him and Dr. Salisbury together. That would be good. Wow, that's a good idea. Stunt casting, we call it in show business. Stunt casting? <laughs> well, that was you a know, they have narrow casting, you, they have, you know, we have broadcasting, now we have stunt casting. Yeah. It's part of it also, it's like the movie The Expendables, where they collected all the action stars of the last 30 years, and they put them in one film. You know, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Bruce Willis, <laughs> Jet Li... <laughs> well, I'd hate to be Sylvester the Stallone the who wrote and directed it. <laughs> wow. And then that's that's a new movie? It's called The Expendables. Yeah, it was uh, actually a decent it. level hit. Well, it came out this well, past with a cast summer. like that, how could it go wrong? I don't know. You know, I mean, the last few movies Sylvester Stallone has done. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't done well, let's so well. See. Who'd we get? We get Jerry Clark. We could get uh, Larry Bryant, uh, Frank Salisbury. And, uh, boy, some sparks would fly, and uh, there'd be a lot of reminiscing going on with uh, with a group like that, with a stunt broadcast like that. I'd, oh, boy, that would be fun. Well, of course, when we had the tragic death of John Keel and Richard Hall, we had our own kind of stunt casting where we had several yeah. people who came on board on the Paracast, and we had people who don't go on these shows very often. I mean, Jacques Vallée doesn't go on radio very often. I mean, he's doing it now because of the book, but he doesn't normally do that we had jerome clark we had an old friend of mine kurt southerly we had brad steiger we had a whole group of people together who never appear together except on the paracast right yeah the uh the keel one turned out to be almost like a post-mortem roast actually (laughs) it's kind of sick sounding but uh well you know what part of the thing is that he was such an idea man john keel but when it came to the actual research 
He was on the opposite, a polar opposite of Jacques Vallée. We see Jacques Vallée and Chris Aubeck spending so much time trying to get the fine details correct. You know, kind of like we talk about technology, and we have Apple Incorporated, where they try to get all the stuff well integrated, get all the facts, all the details as much as they can. And what it seems that Jacques and Chris did was try to really get cases that could pass muster that had the proper citations, the proper research, whereas John Keel, you know, he'd come out with a great theory, and that theory may have a lot of providence to it, but you know what? He didn't do the research very well. It's kind of lackadaisical about that. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that the book, uh, I, I'm just having such a, I mean, it's, it's jaw-dropping, uh, some of these ancient ancient cases and, and the fact that they're so so well-documented for the time. One of the things that I noticed uh, in, in some of the final, in one of the final sections of the book was uh, they debunked some cases that have, I've always thought were true, such as the, I think the uh, Alexander the Great's army and the flying shields at Salamis, I think was the name of the battle. Uh, of course, the Dropa Stones uh, we've known for a while was a, a fairly elaborate hoax. But, but there's a, a, quite a number of cases that have been touted as being real uh, for many years that they could not back up. And they, they tried. They looked un, in, under every rock and stone, looking for documentation, trying to find the primary source material for some of these reports. And uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in a number of these, uh, quite a number actually of these citing reports, they were unable to determine uh, whether these were real or not. And they had to throw them out. You know, I kind of wonder also if this is one of the reasons why the legends, the Indian legends, which are passed by oral traditions, were not included because there's no way to really look for the backup. We don't know how accurate the oral citations of an experience from one person to another over decades and hundreds of years. Yeah, and that's that is unfortunate. I've done quite a bit of work myself uh, personally um, logging some of these uh, folkloric traditions, especially in the Southwest here. I know because of the fact that we had that Zuni elder on the show just a few weeks ago. Really engaging gentlemen, great stories to tell. But that's obviously a question I have to ask you as someone who has done this sort of research over the years. How do you nail it down if there's nothing in writing to check? Exactly. It's a catch-22. You really can't. Um, One of the more compelling cases comes from the Lakota tradition, and that is the legend of the white buffalo calf woman. You can nail that one down to approximately, I think, about a 10-year period. I don't think it it had enough uh, data points for it to be included in a work like Wonders in the Sky, but there are some Native American cases that actually could be considered um, another element, too. Uh, Ray Stanford, who we've had on the show a couple of times, owns uh, some hematite flying saucer-shaped discs that were manufactured by the woodland culture. And because we have physical evidence, something like that, uh, you know, related to an oral tradition might be uh, an example of a oral tradition-type uh, event that could be potentially included. But... Okay, but I'm going to nail you on a question here, okay? Ray Stanford. Now, of course, he can be a crusty gentleman. We had him on the show last time. He made a promise to work with you to put together a digital recording of this particular sighting he discussed on the show. Kind of missing in action. Where is it? 
Yeah, he uh, got his tape deck and he has the software. So uh, I guess I should light a fire under his tailbone and and get him to uh, get those posted. And um, also the EVPs from Michael Esposito. That's another one that we need to get up there for our Paracast uh, forum participants. Uh, he does have quite a number of EVPs that we did play on the air, and then there's a whole bunch more that we could put up there. And that would generate, I'm sure, quite a bit of conversation and probably some controversy as well. But, uh, you know, when it comes to physical evidence, there really is no substitute uh, uh, for good good research and, uh, and following up on that research. That's part of the problem I have also with Ted Phillips, where he had this fledgling website. He was going to talk more about the Marley Woods affair. Unfortunately, the site was started, but I don't think it was ever finished. Well, that was another question I had for uh, Jacques Vallée. I know Ted just recently on Facebook posted, posted a, a fairly recent photograph of Vallée and him, and I assume that it was taken at Marley Woods, and he did kind of drop a hint that uh, someone, a uh, data analyst specialist, a uh, computer scientist, was helping him, and, and he said, some of you will know who I'm talking about, and I automatically assume that it was Vallée. But, but that was another question that we, uh, we need to keep, you know, fresh for the next uh, return visit by, uh, by Dr. Valet. I think he had a good time, Gene. I, I, I just I would be tickled to, uh, to no end to have him back on the show and, and open up the conversation a little bit and, uh, and get him riffing. He was a little bit reserved, I think. but uh, well, He tends I, to be that way. You have to kind of yeah. make it open up after the second or third hour. He can riff. By the way, we're riffing here on the Paracast. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. This definitely is the Paracast. Get nine hand-picked, super-quality graphic apps for your Mac for just $39.99, a 91% discount. These apps include vector drawing, brochure design, smart screen capturing, HDR photo optimizing, preparing photos for print and framing, creating posters, postcards, and lots more, including a bonus DVD library. These are top-rated, best-in-class apps. From now till the end of November, get them all for only $39.99 from radio.macrafoto.com. That's radio.macrafoto.com. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of three million dollars the answer to protecting your assets is simple call john ballman today at 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero call 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold that's 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 
Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. What if a natural or man-made disaster forced you to flee your house in a moment's notice? Are you prepared to grab and go? You will be with My Evac Pack, the ultimate survival kit for emergency evacuations, and we mean ultimate. My Evac Pack is an easy-to-carry bag packed with 44 essential food servings and dozens of indispensable get-out-of-town supplies. My Evac Pack comes in two sizes, a backpack or a rolling duffel bag. Both are packed with great-tasting, nutritionally dense, long-shelf-life food, plus all kinds of tools and supplies to help you and your family survive just about any kind of survival situation. See the new video and all you get in My Evac Pack at MyEvacPack.com Spelled M-Y-E-V-A-C-P-A-C-K dot com MyEvacPack.com Or call 877-327-0365 That's 1-877-327-0365 Get My Evac Pack today because you can't predict when or where an emergency will strike. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com This is the post-game interview. You know, kind of like, you know, you have baseball and football and we have the Paracast post-game affair. We had Dr. Jacques Vallée for about an hour or so. Of course, if you're listening on the radio, it was about an hour and a half, actually. So it consumed about half the show. They have this new book with Chris Albeck, Wonders in the Sky. An incredible collection of solid data where they really worked hard to sweat the details. And that raises the other big question we have in the UFO field. There's not enough of sweating of the details. So much lackadaisical research, offhand research. This is one of the reasons why... Of course, in remembering John Keel, all the good things, the critics were saying, yeah, he had all those good ideas and didn't do his homework. Yeah, this was a six-year project that he uh, and Chris have been working on. And boy, I'll tell you, when you start reading this book and you look at at the incredible amount of research and detail that's been done here, you have to really be be in awe. (laughs) I mean, I am. I can't wait to get Chris on the show. He seems like a real up-and-coming 
uh, very uh, very important uh, potential figure in this field if he continues uh, the quality of work in 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 this particular arena. I know he does have other interests uh, as as a researcher, but it's very good to hear that he's <laughs> he's even named his research project after uh, you know a portion of. Uh, Valet's seminal work, uh, Passport to Magonia. One of the things I want to consider here, though, with Chris Aubeck and Jacques Fillet and all these people, we're putting together hundreds of cases that hopefully show some consistency or at least some degree of evidence. But how many cases do we have to put together before we sit back and say, okay, what does it mean, folks? Yeah, ex- exactly. That would be, uh, I think, where I'd love to start, you know, a return you know, appearance by, by Valet. I would love to uh, kind of start from that point and then move forward because I tried to bring up a few things that uh, he has mentioned uh, and theorized in the past. He uh, pretty skillfully answered the question by <laughs> by skirting the actual uh, uh, details of the question, but uh, I think it would be a great starting point uh, to really look at this from the point of view, okay, we have all this data, now what do we do with it and how do we, how do we view it and what, what is it telling us? Well, certainly if there's a consistency, I mean, if you see airships in the sky, if you see things that seem to mirror the cultural expectations of the particular society they're visiting, then you have to look at other possibilities here. Number one, if it's E.T. or any kind of extraterrestrial race, it may be that they're perceived in accordance with their beliefs. Ezekiel's wheels, of course, that comes from God in the Bible because that's what we expected it to be then. Whereas today it's E.T. because that's our society. But it does not reflect the reality of the phenomenon. That's in and of itself whatever it is. Or it's quantum physics all over again, folks. Whatever we perceive and expect, it gives us back that expectation. Right, and it's Heisenberg uh, all over again. Just the very fact that we attempt to do that changes it. So, you know, it's a slippery slope, as we've always known. And, uh, you know, we really need more creative, out-of-the-box thinkers uh, in this field to look at this wonderful data that that is slowly being accumulated year by year and look at this stuff, crunch the numbers. Um, obviously, it you've always got to contend with a garbage-in, garbage-out scenario, but... I think we're getting to the point now where data may potentially uh, overwhelm the mystery. Uh, I never thought I'd ever hear myself say that, but uh, we're getting closer and closer, I think, every year. And, uh, you know, looking at a book like Wonders in the Sky really does give me hope that there's some up-and-coming, just really diligent scholarly people uh, who are willing to put the time in, willing to uh, do the work, uh, and willing to, uh, to help move this whole, whole shooting match forward. Yeah, of course, we really have to give you credit, Chris O'Brien, because you've done a tremendous amount of field research. You're not somebody who sits in the corner or in the armchair and just writes a book and writes some magazine articles and collects the check and talks about what you've done. You've gone out there in the field. You've spent an awful lot of your personal time, given up a lot of your life, I expect, in doing this sort of yeah. thing. So as somebody who has done that kind of research... How do we take it to the next level? What do we have to do to figure out what's really going on? We have all the groundwork. I mean, the groundwork has been laid for decades. Right. Well, again, I, I've always championed a 
a location-specific approach. I think that there are certain areas on the planet that have a variety intensity of unusual occurrences that kind of put them ahead of, of most other places. And I think if we marshal our resources and, and organize and train uh, you know, legitimate investigators to monitor these hotspot areas 24-7, I think we stand a much better chance of uh, moving the ball forward. Hence my San Luis Valley camera project, Ted Phillips's Marley Woods project, the NIDS uh, attempt at the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, I think more of these types of programs need to be uh, conceived. We need to get funding. We need to get uh, legitimate science involved. I think Leslie Keene's idea of coming up with a a blue ribbon group that is tasked with investigating uh, the better quality cases. I think we're starting to see a movement in that direction. And if we focus on location-specific areas that tend to have, I think, more variety intensity of unusual events, I think we, we stand a much better chance of moving forward. But Chris, do you think the overemphasis still on ET, looking for ET, looking for the space people, maybe that obscures the entire quest because... We're narrow casting, as they say in broadcasting. We're narrowing our approach and excluding too much stuff. Yeah, we can't go in with any preconceived notions. Uh, I think it's really important to have an open mind. You can't factor anything in. You can't factor anything out. You go where the data takes you. And one of the things that uh, I learned early on is most of my preconceptions very quickly I was shown without any room for interpretation, these preconceptions were wrong. And that is what I mentioned earlier, that I, I really thought that we were dealing with aliens from another planet. But there's so much data that just does not conform to that particular scenario. And I sound like a broken record, I know, to some folks listening to the show, but I can't overstate that enough. Uh, we really need to be open-minded. We really need to go where the data leads us. We can't basically decide where it's going to lead and then look for data that fits into that preconceived notion. And then that raises the other question, too. Do we even know what sort of data we have to collect? Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is uh, John Keel's quote is, you know, to, to hell with the answer, what's the question? <laughs> well, you know what? That, that is something we can talk about for the next six months. I mean, this has to be, and I'm not going to toot my own horn or our own horn for myself and all the co-hosts who have worked with me since the Paracast started in 2006. And that is, we have tried to figure out what questions we should be asking, not just right. saying, here's a bunch of crazy experiences, folks, and it's fun to talk about. A lot of other shows will say, wow, gosh, gee whiz, listen to all these crazy experiences, listen to all the wild and woolly stuff that's going on out there, let's bring on the medium du jour, the psychic du jour, put them on the show and have them play some games, and then they'll announce their website and sell some books and some tickets to their lectures and do private readings for lots of money. It's separating the signal from the noise. That's the motto of the Paracast. I'm just so thrilled to be involved in this. And a reminder, neighbors, we want to hear from you send your letters to news at the powercast.com news at the powercast.com chris o'brien joins us as co-host i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast yeah. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued, so I used the program methods... And after filing one piece of paper, the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With zero debt in 90 days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256. And ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue with Chris O'Brien, co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast for a couple of more segments. We started out talking shop. We brought on Dr. Jacques Vallée, who raises some very intriguing questions in one of the areas where he has done such commendable work, is that he's one of the few people who was willing to ask questions that nobody considered. When Major Donald Kehoe in the 1950s said, oh, it's E.T. because they exhibit maneuverability far beyond those of mortal men, far beyond what we can do ourselves. You can track them on radar. Sometimes they leave a little bit of trace evidence. Well, it's got to be E.T. What else could it be? Yeah. Well, we've come a long way since the halcyon days of the 50s. Have we, though? I mean, we still have exopolitics. We still have these people running around saying E.T. is here or... E.T. is going to come tomorrow and land, and uh, it would be the requiem for the UFO. It's three steps forward, two steps back, but we are making progress. I mean, you keep banging, banging the message long enough and uh, educating folks, getting the, uh, the younger generation to abandon preconceived notions, to, to reject the pop culture programming that uh, is just running rampant especially in regards to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. As soon as we can get a young crop of investigator researchers like Chris Aubeck, like uh, John Greenwald, others who are out there uh, learning, learning how to do this the proper way, I think uh, we are making progress. It's just, you know, <laughs> we may not see an answer in your lifetime or my lifetime, Gene, but, uh, hey, it's a lot of fun. We're moving forward, and uh, there's Speak no Speak for substitute. yourself. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Well, me too, but, uh, you know, we're all eternal in our own own way. So I've been alive forever, and I wrote the very first song. Of course it was an off-key song. <laughs> don't sing it. Please, I don't sing. Not even in the shower. <laughs> because if the last time I sung in the shower, it broke the shower. You know what the most uh, popular song I did? A, they did a, I guess it was a poll of, uh, of men. And you know what the most popular song that men in America sing in the shower? Lay it on me. No, that's Rock, not the song. Rock song. Roxanne by the police. Roxanne. Are you, you joking? You have to put on your red light. I never joke, ah. 007. No. <laughs> Actually, uh, my only imitation, of course, is Liam Neeson in Clash of the Titans. Release the Kraken. Hey, that wasn't bad. It wasn't good, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Okay. But we do have the voice of the trickster. And thank goodness, a very hey, short voice. Hey, I got voice. that question in, you noticed. That's right. He did, uh, he did not apply it to the UFO phenomenon the way I was hoping he would, but that's okay. We're, uh, we're making progress with it. Where do you expect it to lead? Okay, we dropped the trickster in there, and maybe we threw the ball in Jacques' direction. He didn't really pick up on it. But where do you think we should take it? Well, you know, again, I think he, you know, he was the one that brought up the whole idea of the collective unconscious. And, you know, uh, one of the questions I think that needs to be asked is if we are dealing with something that's not extraterrestrial hypothesis based and it is a closed system phenomenon, then, then we need to 
compartmentalize what our p- particular potential options are. Uh, and and I think the trickster is 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 a six thousand pound gorilla sitting in the room that everybody has been in denial. Even Jung himself, in his his last book, you know, UFOs: The Myth of Things Seen in the Sky, he never mentions the trickster, even though he talks about the absurdities and 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 the potential for you know collective unconscious uh, manifestation of these things. He never he, he never mentions the trickster. Keel never mentioned the trickster. He said it was these things are trickster-ish or trickster-like. Valet, I don't think ever even mentioned the word trickster or trickster-ish in any of his works. So, you know, again, I, I, I think I think thinking, you know, from a new oblique angle is uh, there's no substitute for that. And you know, if if my work can inspire just one or two people to take the ball and move it down the field then i've done i've done my job and and you know i i stand by my my theory i i think as as my research progresses as i go further and think about this uh this particular aspect of a potential explanation the more sense it makes to me so i'm sure there's lots of people out there that would disagree and 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 you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion but but again, you know, I think it's important to really look at all closed system potential explanations before we go off planet. Well, okay, let's go back to that because we did a show with you when you came out with your book, Stalking the Tricksters. Now, I guess in the final sessions of this episode of the Powercast, maybe we can cover this because we are doing out-of-the-box thinking. In writing Stalking the Tricksters, what were you trying to look for? I was trying to find commonalities between um, inexplicable uh, events uh, that happen in the from prehistory to modern times. I, I was looking for for some sort of correlation that would tie uh, together aspects of these um, inexplicable types of phenomenal events and phenomenal creatures and one of the things that ties them all together, the one commonality I was able to discover, is that these beings and these objects and these events tend to feature shape-shifting, going from one form to another, and, then, and sometimes back again. And once you look at that commonality, um, things start to fall, I think, uh, into place a little easier, at least in my thinking. And, and that was a real breakthrough for me. Prior to that, I think I went through a whole jar of ibuprofen uh, thinking about all this stuff because uh, it's, when you start talking about liminality and you know threshold type phenomenon, amoral, it's neither black, white, uh, young, old, uh, positive or negative, um, it's, it's really difficult to wrap your head around. But once you get it and you start to apply the whole idea of tricksterism, the idea of toppling static structures, of introducing novelty to, to break up the status quo in an effort collectively, hopefully, to move culture forward, to progress, to not be uh, caught in stasis, to not be static. Once we start to introduce trickster energy into a static system, it tends to topple that system. It tends to, to create uh, movement forward. It, it creates room for change. And Maybe we should have called the book Stalking the Fly in the Ointment. There you go. As long as there's no Vaseline in there, I, that sounds good. <sighs> no Is that comment. the crowd moaning? Or 
I don't want to say it's late in the evening and, you know, when I'm going to sigh, my sighs get deeper and deeper as the <laughs> evening progresses. You know, you know, I become bass, you know. <laughs> well, that was a Talking Heads album, actually, and Sand in the Vaseline. Okay, there you go. Well, that would be a new UFO book. <laughs> be the next great UFO book. Where is the next great UFO book? Is this it? Wonders in the Sky? Is there going to be a sequel to Stalking the Tricksters? Is there one in the future? Seriously, Chris, do you see well, reason to yeah. write a sequel? Yeah, I'm just not sure what, what you would call it. I guess uh, cornering the trickster, roping the trickster. Uh, the trickster's return. Yeah, or son of the trickster. You, you know, it's the trickster's meet the, the dark trickster. knight. <laughs> yeah. Trick or treat. I, you know, I don't know what I would call something. I, I would like to come up with a different term than trickster because I don't think it's, a, it's, it's, it's an outmoded term that doesn't fully, I think, define what it is that... Uh, I'm trying to uh, to zero in on, but um, one of my one of the things that I've always said uh, since I've been involved in this uh, investigative work and research is that that it's the people like John Keel and Jacques Vallée, Charles Fort. These are the out of the box thinkers that that most um, inspire me, that give me uh, I guess my creative. Uh, uh, gestalt moments. Um, other people uh, like David Perkins, who we will have on the show, uh, very, very amazing creative thinker. One I'll tell you what, we're going to have one more session here this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co host is Chris O'Brien. You're in. The Parrot Guest. Hey Neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink. To 
raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. You may not be thinking of lead and brass as precious metal investments. And you may not be thinking about ammo when we say battery station. But you should, because Battery Station has a large inventory of the most popular calibers. Just go to BatteryStation.com and click on Ammunition. There, you'll see where Second Amendment patriots invest in precious metals for 380, 9mm, 40 cal, 45 ACP, 38 special, 357 magnum, 223, 30-06, 308, and more. Be sure to look for the October GCN specials in blue boxes, too, at BatteryStation.com. We shoot what we sell, and all Battery Station ammo is all factory, no reloads. You'll enjoy great customer service, great prices, and fast shipping. Plus, all orders over $30 will receive a free patriotic flag. So invest in gold and silver. But don't forget about investing in lead and brass, too, at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799 or go to BatteryStation.com today. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Sounds like he was saying the parrot cast because of that voice. Chris O'Brien the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. How's that? I should have done my voice with Echo, Infused with Echo. <laughs> in fact, that's a good book, you know, Infused with Echo, starring or movie, you know, uh-huh. or Echo from the Stars, Attack of the Rockoids. No, I wrote that already. Echo of the Trickster. Well, there is a sequel to the Stalking the Tricksters, like Echo of the Tricksters. But do you think that maybe... Some of the people who didn't buy that kind of story, didn't kind of didn't buy that kind of explanation, maybe the title Tricksters kind of put them off. That's possible, um, you know. And you know what can you do? You can just give it your best shot. Um, that was a title. It just came out of the ethers. Um, I jumped on it. Um, it was based on a title of a as yet to be published work that I've been researching for many years. Uh, that I the working title was Stalking the Herd which was, uh, I 
kind of look at it as wonders in the sky uh, like, but uh, in the cattle unusual livestock death phenomenon. But um, so I borrowed the stocking the herd sort of uh, approach for a title and, and put Trickster in there instead. Okay, so let's look at this though. When you get up with something that's a stuff of legend like the Trickster, archetypes, whatever, how do you nail something like that down scientifically? That's a very good question. Uh, I think there's ways to do it. Again, I think if we look at location-specific spots uh, on the map, there are ways to you know, model your approach to uh, take into account absurdity, to take into account the inexplicable, to take into account um, data that doesn't quite conform uh, to what you would expect it to conform. And if you can replicate those results then you can uh, create, I think, a workable hypothesis or at least support uh, a workable hypothesis and then move forward with it. Okay, neighbors, we don't have a lot of time left. With Chris O'Brien, we're doing the post-game or post-mortem of the show. I think a post-game report is better than a post-mortem, right? Yeah. So, Correct. Okay, now maybe we should bring people up to date with a progress report. You got the webcams set up. Where do you go from there? Well, um, again, we're, we're taking it one step at a time. Uh, the software development process is moving ahead. We, uh, we have uh, two very talented software uh, designers who are working on getting our uh, target acquisition, uh, image recognition, triangulation, uh, you know, getting all these cameras synch- synchronized together, and we're going to take them one camera at a time. Um, we have the second camera going in this coming week. We have a uh, recording, uh, a tri-field meter that will be situated exactly halfway between uh, two cameras. And then we're going for another two-week uh, data stream where we're going to be recording 24-7 for two weeks. Um, we also have a uh, cattle, a very uh, suspicious, uh, unusual livestock death case that occurred um, either the night of the uh, 9th or the early morning of the 10th of November of, November of this month. And um, I posted on the uh, forums some uh, photograph of the case. Um, so we do have activity, which is pretty rare for the San Luis Valley during the colder months. So this may be, uh, again, like last year, a very active winter. Last winter uh, proved to be one of the most active winters uh, in the past 18 years, to my knowledge. And so we're hoping for enough activity to go ahead and be able to synchronize uh, two cameras with timestamps to record uh, single events. So once we get the second camera up, then in the spring we'll be going with the third camera. And, and we're walking before we run. We're really uh, we're crossing the, uh, you know, the T's and dotting the I's in this and, and continuing the development of the, uh, the software. And hoping that maybe this will be something where we can actually watch. Exactly. Yeah, we had uh, streaming video for two weeks, and uh, we did uh, record, I think, about 650 gigs worth of data. We're going to be recording, a, as I said, a uh, two-week stint here uh, in the coming month or so of uh, you know images from two cameras looking at each other from about 60 miles away from each other. Well, that's one of the questions I have, too. If you're recording 650 gigs of data, and we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, a fairly decent-sized hard drive. Now, if you're doing this for a couple of years, you've got to have to have a lot of places to store data, or do you recycle after a while? Well, yeah, that's just it. We're, you know, we're, we're going to be recording data, and we will have, I think, a 20-day 
uh, ideally about a three-week rollover period. So uh, uh, day 22 will erase day one, that sort of thing. But with the, with the software, if an event is triggered, then we will go into a second record mode, which will then you know, record the actual event itself instead of recording 24-7 which we will be doing anyway just as a backup. So, you know, with the amount of storage now, I mean, you can get a three terabyte drive for uh, $200 now. So, um, you know, the technology, the cost of technology is coming down rapidly. So it's very doable. Our problem is bandwidth. We really, uh, you know, it chews up a lot of bandwidth. So, you know, we're we're dealing with these problems as they, as they arise. And and, uh, you know, we're real excited about it. I mean, I have some world-class people working on this project, and they're, they're doing it on their own time. We have uh, next to uh, <laughs> zero budget to work with right now. And I'm hoping with some results that will interest some, uh, some deep pockets to get involved and, and, uh, and help out, get this thing moving uh, even quickly, more quickly forward. Tell you what, Chris, old friend, riff with me on this, okay? Just for a few seconds to see where we can take it. Do you think people like a Paul Allen, who's been interested in the space program and everything, would be willing to devote large sums of money to UFO-related research? You wonder about that. Well, I think if you can demonstrate that, that, that there is scientific legitimacy to an effort such as this, I think you stand a much better chance of interesting uh, someone like a Paul Allen or a Bill Gates, um, someone that has you know just ridiculous amounts of money of cash. Well, Steve um, I, Jobs, I but Steve Jobs doesn't give anything to anyone, does he? Well, I you didn't hear me mention Steve Jobs, although we could uh, you know we could make sure that we only use Mac computers. I mean, most of us are using Macs already, so. Yeah, but that's, just that's getting a review product out of them is difficult. I don't know whether Steve is willing to separate himself from his riches. And, of course, with Bill Gates, seriously speaking, he's interested in, you know, dealing with poverty. Birth control, eugenics, selective breeding. Sure. Well, that's part of the E.T. goal, isn't it? Yeah, I always kind of wondered if maybe he had some E.T. Uh, genes in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I don't consider him a very creative person, so that's another story. Except for selling stuff that he didn't own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But seriously, you know, interesting that someone like a Paul Allen would be somehow interested, maybe getting someone like that, attracting that kind of funding. Because you look at, for example, what Leslie Kane was talking about in her UFO book, which was a pretty good seller. And she was making the circuit, but her stuff is probably more accessible to the masses than a Jacques Vallée. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're talking about setting up this kind of agency, so does the government fund it? Well, the government's not going to fund anything right now. The government so, can't even fund itself. That's right. So you have to look to private industry. So does somebody with a few billion dollars, a Warren Buffett, for example, would he do well, it? Ri Richard Branson would be a good person to approach. Okay, you're elected. Go talk to him. Give him a call. Richard, you know, six, seven hundred million dollars, I'll do it. No, all I need is a, is a couple hundred thousand to do my project right now. So, I mean, that's jump change for some of these guys. Well, if you don't have it's a lot of Richard's money. Richard's just got seven million dollar advance for his book, Life. I mean, <laughs> hello. Jeez. Well, there you go. That's how it goes. Seven mil. Mm. Coming up in future episodes of the Paracast, we have Tracy Torme. Yep. Ah. Uh, now, yes, he is the son of Mel Torme. He is indeed. Don't ask him to sing, though. No. no, he doesn't yeah, sing. No. Most he produces, he writes. 
And he was one of the original investigators in the Travis Walton case. Has known Travis since day one, since '76. Uh, well, certainly that's certainly the stories about that have arisen again in recent weeks. So it is something to pursue. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of the things that you pursue? At OurStrangePlanet.com. It is a strange planet. It's Our Strange Planet. And uh, you can find out uh, more about my work. My entire database is there. It's free to sign up. We don't give away any email addresses. And I invite everybody to tune in and, uh, you know, keep uh, up to speed on some of the strange goings-ons here on the planet. And we also talk about some of the strange goings-on over at the Paracast forums. Go to forum.paracast.com. Once again, that's forum.paracast.com. Chris O'Brien has been our co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Special thank you to Jacques Vallée for spending half the show with us. You've been listening to The Paracast. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. 